Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. This is the final episode of 2022. And in this episode, I'm discussing the topic of high-functioning depression. At the time of this recording, we are in the thick of the holiday season. And so season's greetings if you're listening to this in real time. And the reason I'm discussing a heavier topic is as we gather with our friends and our family, I'd like us to be intentional about checking in on our loved ones who appear to be okay because the truth is many of them are not okay. And I also want us to be intentional about checking in on ourselves. This episode is the recording of a live I did on Instagram on December 23rd, 2022. So if you would like to watch the full video, including some question and answer, head over to Instagram and watch it over there. I am at dr.yuandy on Instagram. And so enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine. And I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. So hello everybody, welcome to another live with me, Dr. Yuandi. I'm a medical doctor based in Toronto. I am the owner and a therapist at Kami Counseling Services. And at Kami Counseling Services, we help professionals, entrepreneurs, executives. We help you feel better one practical step at a time. And I'm so excited and so happy that you all are joining in with me today. And today is two days before Christmas. And for some reason, it didn't click that Christmas is in two days for me until today, like this morning. <laughs> I was getting breakfast ready. I was like, oh, well, Christmas is on Sunday. Okay. And in speaking with a lot of people, it sounds like this sentiment is familiar, or this is a sentiment that a lot of people are going through, which is, yeah, going through the motions. But Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very important. It is very relevant. You might be asking that, Yuande, why are you talking about depression? It's a holiday season. It's a season of fun, of family, of friends, of love, of joy. Why are you deciding to talk about high-functioning depression during the holidays? And the reason I strategically decided to leave it to this week is because, and so the topic is high-functioning depression. The reason I wanted to specifically discuss it this week is because for that same reason, many of us are going to be spending time around friends. Many of us are going to be spending time around loved ones, around family. And depending on whether you yourself might be experiencing depression, but you come across as happy, you come across as excited, you come across as everything is going well, 
Or maybe you have that family member or maybe you have that friend who always comes across as happy, excited. They're the life of the party. I just wanted to plant the seed that things are not always as they appear. Okay, things are not always as they appear. And this might be the perfect opportunity to just ask those questions. How are you really doing? How are you really doing? How are things really going for you? Because the thing about high functioning depression, and so, I mean, all of us are somewhat familiar with depression or the idea of feeling depressed. And the idea that we have is someone who maybe isn't functioning. So maybe they stop taking care of their personal hygiene Maybe they're in bed for days on end. Maybe they aren't performing at work like they used to. Maybe they've withdrawn from family, from friends, and all of a sudden you're not hearing from this person anymore. Maybe they're performing poorly at work and they're not showing up at work and in their relationships the way they used to. These are very similar or very familiar I would say stereotypical definitions of depression. This idea of being dark and withdrawn and, you know, somber and sad and crying all the time. And in some cases, I mean, I mean, that is much easier to identify. It's much easier to check on your friends and loved ones who you're like, hey, I haven't heard from so so and so in a while. Or, hey, every time I see this person, they look more sad and more withdrawn. It's easier to check up on these people and ask these people questions and maybe even help them to get the support that they need when it comes to that form of depression, what we would call major depressive disorder or MDD. However, there is a subset of people who it's not as obvious. In fact, the depression may actually be so easy to hide and so easy to mask because these people are highly functional. So they might be professionals. They probably are professionals high up in their organization, executing on projects and doing amazing things. You might see them all over the place. Maybe one day they're on the news and next day they're featured in a magazine. They're getting all the awards. They may have a family structure that from the outside looks beautiful. I think about the really sad loss of Twitch and just the, the way that that shook so many of us in that, you know, nobody saw it coming because his persona, bright, fun, excited, this radiant smile, you know, a lot of people called him the light. And so, and then the tragedy of him taking his life happened and it just shook everybody. And that is the thing about high-functioning depression is that it often presents the opposite to what you would expect of depression. These are people who are well accomplished. They are well accomplished. They may have done amazing things. They're people who look good. They are the life of the party oftentimes. And you would have no idea that this person is actually suffering internally because of depression. And so what are some of the things that maybe you or someone you know who might be high functioning but still experiencing depression, what are some of the symptoms that they may actually exhibit? The actual diagnostic criteria is over a minimum of two years. In the medical field, we call it dysthymia. And so this is a long-standing history of depression. 
and they typically have a low mood. So they would, maybe on the outside, you might not recognize their mood as low, but when you ask them and if they're being honest, they would say, actually, yes, my mood is low. In addition to the low mood, they would also have two more of the diagnostic criteria of depression and not to get into too much of the details, but some of the diagnostic criteria are either a loss of appetite or an increase in appetite. They might have trouble concentrating or trouble making decisions. They may be undersleeping or they may be oversleeping. They may be agitated or they may actually feel like their body feels like a weight. So some people will describe that my body feels heavy. It feels like a weight. It feels like I'm treading water. It feels like I'm moving through water. They may actually have a sense of guilt, a sense of guilt, a sense of shame. Because like I say, a lot of these people on the outside, things actually look great. However, they are feeling they're suffering on the inside. They feel sad on the inside. And so they may carry a sense of guilt and shame. Like, you know, I have no reason to be sad. Things in my life are going great. There must be something wrong with me that I feel sad on the inside. So they may carry a sense of guilt and shame. They may not find joy or interest in the things that they normally would find joy and interest in. So yes, they're still showing up to work. Yes, they're still showing up to family events. They're still showing up for their kids' practice and games and activities and performances, but it doesn't elicit that joy inside of them. They're showing up because they're showing up. It's not eliciting joy because of the dysthymia or the high-functioning depression. So those are some of the symptoms. In addition to a low mood, those are some of the symptoms that come along with high-functioning depression. And you only need two. Two, in addition to low mood, you only need two. So this is why I say that high-functioning depression is very pervasive. And you'll see it amongst very accomplished, once again, very accomplished people. Because these people also have a high sense of discipline and a high sense of responsibility. So these are people who have grown up to be very disciplined. So Again, and that has led to their excellence. It's led to their execution. It's led to their ability to climb up the corporate ladder to become superstars in their field because they're very disciplined. They show up when they are supposed to show up. And the other thing is that on top of that, they are perfectionists. And so the perfectionism, yes, has led to their ability to show up, their ability to perform and their ability to do amazing things. But on the inside, they are suffering. And so the reason I, once again, I'm bringing this up is that maybe you identify with what I'm describing, or maybe there's someone in your life who you're sort of being triggered to think, okay, I I probably should check on this person. On the outside, they're coming across as looking very well accomplished. They're coming across as looking very uh, put together, like they have things together. There's a life of the party, But maybe I should just take them aside and just, hey, say, hey, dude, or hey, babe, are you doing okay? I just thought I'd check. Are you doing okay? Because I know that this is a very busy time for a lot of us. We can tend to get overwhelmed and it will shock you that maybe they start to break down crying because nobody has ever thought to ask them heart to heart if they're doing okay. Why? Because again, on the outside, things look like they're all well put together. Okay. 
even though we don't know why 100% someone might end up in a state of dysthymia, in a state of high-functioning depression, yes, it's a combination of biochemistry, you know, the chemical imbalances and things in our brain. I also strongly believe that it's also due to our experiences. You know, as a cognitive behavioral therapist, the way that I work is I really like to dissect the thoughts and how our thoughts determine our emotions and how our emotions then determine our behaviors. That's the model of cognitive behavioral therapy. And one of the things that shapes our thoughts is our experiences. And so if you have a picture of someone who is very well accomplished, they're at the top of their game, they're at the top of their career. Like I mentioned, a lot of these people are very disciplined. They tend to motivate themselves internally. And so all of their lives, these are people who have maybe attended practices and they were judged based on their performance and they had to be the best at everything that they did. They were in maybe competitive environments. And so they develop this inner voice. And this inner record or this inner thought pattern that drives them, that motivates them, that keeps them going. A lot of us will call it the inner critic or the inner judge. Many of us have an inner critic and an inner judge. And this is that voice that says, don't be lazy, get up. You need to do the work. You're going to fail if you don't get all of this. You know, it's that voice that in a way, yes, it keeps us going and it keeps us performing and it keeps us showing up. But in the long term, it's not a healthy state of mind to be in when you're constantly performing from that inner critic. So thinking back to a lot of these people who are high performers, they become very self-reliant. So it's very hard for people like this to actually reach out for help. And not only that, the inner critic inside of them might make them feel bad about reaching out for help. Like I mentioned before, they may say like, who do you think you are to ask for help? There are millions of other people who are actually suffering, who ha actually have real problems, who are you to ask for help? So it makes it really hard for someone like that to ask for help. They might not even want to be a burden because they are so used to being the ones showing up for other people. They're so used to be the ones being the life of the party, making other people feel better, sometimes even at the expense of their own happiness and their own joy. And so it makes it really hard for these people to then seek out, seek out the help that they need. And when things don't go according to plan, so maybe, for example, they are at work and maybe they don't get the promotion that they really worked hard for. It's very easy for people who have high functioning depression or, or, or depression for that matter to look at only the negative side of situations. So it makes it, it's really hard for them to look at a glass that's halfway full of water and see the part that's half full. All they see is the part that's half empty because the depression causes people generally to look on the side of things that is negative, that isn't going well. And that makes it really hard for them to navigate things that aren't going their way. So say they are in a work environment, they don't get the promotion, they are more likely to sit in a, in a place of shame, a place of guilt, 
a place of embarrassment where they sit and they beat up themselves over and over. They replay the situation and they beat up themselves over and over and over again. Because like I say, in depression, generally, it's so much easier for you to look at the critical side, the negative side of things and be very self-critical and very self-judgmental. I'd also alluded to the fact that these people generally also tend to be perfectionists. And in being perfectionists, they are, they tend to try to control things and control situations. And when things don't go again, according to plan, or it seems as if things, they're no longer able to control things or control a situation, it's very, very, very difficult for them to cope because they are used to the idea of, okay, the more work I put in, I put in X input and I get Y results. So they're used to seeing things like, okay, as long as I practice my 20 hours a week, I'm going to get this routine down. Or as long as I practice my presentation 10 times, I'm going to deliver with excellence. So they're very used to putting in X amount of work and getting Y amount of results. But the truth of the matter is, as human beings, we are really very limited into how much we can control. There is that illusion of control. And yes, there are some things that we can control. But in general, there's so many things that are outside of our control. But the problem is that when you are a high performer, when you're someone who's used to doing things a certain way and getting certain results, then you and things don't go your way, then they take it really, really hard because things are no longer out of their control. They are also bent towards hopelessness because of what I just described, where it's like, okay, if things are not working the way that I want them to work and things are not going the way that I want them to go, what's the point? What's the point of doing any of these things anyway? Some people say that the opposite of joy is sadness, which is true, but I think the most scary emotion, at least for me as a clinician, is hopelessness. It's hopelessness because you can be sad and still have hope that, you know what, in a week or two, things will actually feel better and I'll be out of this. But when you're not able to see any hope because all the efforts that you're putting into the thing, the systems that you used to use before aren't working anymore. The processes that you used to use before to get results don't seem to be working anymore. And you can't see the hope outside of that, then that is a very, very, very scary place to be. It's a very scary place to be. And like I say, people who have sort of internalized their ability to control situations, their ability to show up for other people, if they no longer feel like they're in control and they lose that sense of control and they can't see the hope in things changing, that can be a very, very, very scary place to be. And a lot of people with high functioning depression often find themselves in that situation where things aren't going the way that they have planned or things the, the formulas that used to work before aren't working anymore. It's a very scary place to be. The other thing can be very, that can be very challenging for people with dysthymia, high functioning depression, and just the personality type that often tends to go with that is transitions. And so maybe they're transitioning from being a, an executive or CEO to the point where they're retiring. I read a statistic that very often it's men who are older that tend to suffer from high functioning depression. So accomplished men who are older, again, 
I think because of how subtle thymia or high-functioning depression is, I think it's very hard to actually get the accurate numbers. But I would understand how someone who has been strong all their lives, this can go for anybody, doesn't have to be just men, someone who has been strong all their lives, they have been the solution providers, they have been the helpers, they have been the support system, their identity is wrapped up around a certain set of performances, a certain set of execution, a certain caliber of work, their identity is wrapped around that. And all of a sudden there's a transition, even if it's a transition that's expected like retirement, that can be very, very challenging, a very challenging time for someone who is a high performer and maybe also suffers from high functioning depression. Because again, it's like, if I'm not this executive, if I'm not this person who performs all these things and has all these results, then what am I? Who am I? And so there can often be an identity crisis there that happens leading to hopelessness because they can't see anything outside of then what is life outside of work. And so I've given you a spectrum of scenarios that can come up when somebody has high-functioning depression. So for anyone who joined partway, you might be wondering, Yoande, why such a heavy topic around the holidays? Come on, this is a season of joy. <laughs> You're welcome. This is a season of joy. This is a season of happiness. This is a season of excitement. But I just thought that this might be a good time to just plant the seed. Because I always like to say that awareness is the first step. Awareness is the first step. So check on your strong friends. Check on your strong friends, the friends who seem to always be laughing all the time, your friends who, and your family members as well, who seem to be the ones gathering everyone for the events, the ones that don't complain about anything, the ones that on social media, they have all the, the pretty pictures and, you know, all of that, you know, you never really know what's going on unless you ask. And even if you do ask, you know, it doesn't always guarantee, but at least it's something that we can do. It's asking the questions, you know, how are you really, really doing? How are you really doing? And because many of us are going to be spending time around loved ones this the next few days, I just thought that it would be a good opportunity to talk about this subtle, this subtle form of suffering, this subtle form of depression that can go under the radar because one thing, it's hard to identify from the outside. And two, those of you who may be dealing with it on the inside might feel guilt for seeking help because you look at your life and you tell yourself, I have no reason to be sad. I'm selfish. I'm a bad person. But the truth of the matter is that, yes, even things, even if things on the outside look great, your suffering on the inside is valid and should and must be addressed. Okay. I'm going to end it here. And if you found this helpful, please share it with somebody who might benefit from it. You just never know what it might spark. You know, it might be a ripple effect, a domino effect. You never know what it might spark. Everyone, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holiday season. Take care and thank you so much for joining. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Di, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.